Welcome to the podcast. And now. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. To Israel we go. It's been a while, but we're very pleased that former member of Knesset, Dove Lipman, joins us. Uh, he served as a member of the Knesset for Yesha Tid between 2013 and 2015. Uh, good morning to you in Israel. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Zev. Shavuot to everyone. First, how are things going for you? Baruch Hashem. Things are uh, fantastic. I'm in the middle of a new project, which I know we'll talk about, uh, Yad Olim, helping Olim, especially right now with the corona crisis and travel to Israel, um, and helping Olim with many other issues and trying to make policies change in the government on the be- for the benefit of Olim. So on a professional level, uh, thank God, uh, things are going really well. And and Baruch Hashem, you know, you live in Israel for 17 years and you see your family developing and growing and it's just uh, wonderful. No, it's great to hear. Now, do you miss not being part of the Knesset because uh, Yair Lapid, who you were close with and you work with, is a major player in Israeli politics today. Did you consider going back either as a member of Knesset or working together with him or with the new Israeli government? I don't miss uh, not being in the Knesset, certainly seeing everyone uh, sleeping in the building overnight this past few weeks and all of the uh, tension between the various sides. Uh, I'm, I'm happy using the platform of being a former Chavar Knesset to be able to do good things for Israel and the Jewish people without having to be uh, involved in the politics. Now, now you, I remember you were from the United States and you made Aliyah and you gave up your American citizenship to become a member of Knesset. Now, do you feel that the religious community is at a loss right now? They're not in the government, and there's talk about maybe clipping some of their powers, maybe the draft coming back. There are things that the religious community is upset about. Uh, is there a source for concern for the Orthodox community in Israel? So in terms of, yeah, so in terms of the budgets, uh, this government has made it clear that they're not going to be touching any of the budgets related to the yeshivas and the kolels, and uh, obviously we'll see as the budget is uh, put together over the next month, uh, we'll see if that's the case. But that seems to be a, a commitment which they have. Uh, in terms of the draft law, they are talking about bringing it, but this is a draft law which even the Haredim uh, voted for in its first reading, and it was put together not by politicians but by the IDF, and it won't have any kind of a major impact at all on those who are learning Torah day and night, and I think it was done with tremendous sensitivity to that, but we'll see uh, how that plays out. There is some concern about what will happen regarding religion and state issues, exactly what uh, policies this government uh, will come to as they try to balance together uh, some of the needs of the more liberal side of of Judaism in Israel and around the world versus the more uh, conservative uh, side, the traditional side. Uh, But we'll see exactly how they try to work it out. I think there is a little bit of a breath of fresh air in the fact that there is dialogue, there is an attempt to work together, uh, and I think that's something which Israel very, very much needed. And also I have to emphasize the door has been open for the Haredi parties to join this government. No one has closed that door. They have not said, we're doing this without you. And it's possible that if this government does last, uh, and I do believe that it will for a longer period of time than most had thought, uh, that there will, will be some consideration from the Haredi parties to actually join and be part of it. Now, because you said there is some reconciliation and effort, but when Naftali Bannon was was being part of the Knesset, that I forgot which meeting it was, there was an ugly exchange between some of the religious ministers, Naftali Bannon, they'll call all sorts of names. Is that changed, or is that part of the reconciliation efforts? Well, I'm not talking about with the Haredi politicians, because uh, they're obviously at this point 
part of a very, very strong opposition and using very strong terminologies uh, to try to topple this government. There was a very powerful moment uh, in the Knesset chambers when uh, after um, one of the Chavri uh, Knesset from the Haredi party said that Bennett and other people in this party should take off their kippahs, take off their yarmulkes, and Matan Kahana, the new religious affairs minister, looked at him and he said to him, you know, were you ever in a foxhole in the pouring rain and you found a way to daven, according to the way the halacha tells you to do so in that situation? Did you ever walk miles to be able to walk, uh, to wash the tilas yadayim before having bread, despite being in a battle zone? Did you ever uh, find a way to fulfill talis and fill in those situations? It's very powerful. As he was talking about, you know, who, what is religion and who, how, how is a Kiddush Hashem uh, determined? I think that that rhetoric, uh, that back and forth will tone down over time as the Haredim realize that this government is going to last, which I do believe, uh, I you do believe it's going to last because people are saying that you have right, left, you have so many different elements that, um, that uh, people are skeptical that it's going to last very long because it's, it's too disparate. Yeah, so there's no doubt that it's going to be a challenge and it's going to take a lot of navigating together. People don't realize the strong, uh, friendship, I would say, that exists between Yair Lapid and Naftali Bennett, which goes back already to 2012. And I, I believe that that will enable them to navigate through the difficult situations. The one wild card is definitely the, the Ram party, uh, which I, I can't, you know, I don't know it from the inside uh, in terms of how long they'll be able to hold out if there are policies which they're against. But I will say that it's also in their interest uh, to be able to do so. You know, everybody talked about left-wing government, left-wing government. And let's use the example of the settlement of Evyatar, which was just established recently. And they found a compromise right now, which is the people who went to the settlement are leaving it voluntarily. The Israeli army will go there. Over time, a yeshivat hezder is going to be put up there. And then eventually, they're going to assume that all the legal issues are worked out. There will be a settlement there. And that's being worked out by a government, yes, led by Naftali Bennett, but that includes merits, that includes labor, that includes Ram. So there's a lot of swallowing of some ideologies that both sides might not love, but they're trying to fight, figure out a way to make compromise and make this work. And let's remember, there is a precedent in Israel for right-wing and left-wing to work together. In 1984, Yitzhak Shamir and Shimon Perez found a way to have a very long-lasting government that worked that way. Again, this government has even greater extremes than that government had, parties that are more to the right and parties that are more to the left. But there is a general interest that is guiding them together uh, to stay in power, and I, I do believe that they have the capacity to navigate through that. But, but, but as you indicated, the Ram Party, which is an Islamist party, an Arab party, if Israel and look what's happened with Gaza, there's tension, they're sending balloons over. If Israel has a very strong response, uh, I can't see the Ram Party allowing Israel to do that without still staying and supporting the government. Well, everyone should know that Naftali Bennett uh, said way back when the balloon started that there has to be a strong response from Israel to every single balloon or kite that comes to Israel. And that's what they've been doing. I mean, last night, people around the Gaza area could hear the boom from the IDF response to kites and balloons. And the Ram Party is not complaining about it. They're still staying in the government. Uh, what they basically said is we're going to do our best to put aside the nationalistic issues and focus on the needs of Israeli Arabs, which are real. Uh, there are real needs of infrastructure and budgets for the Israeli Arab population. And as long as they are strong enough to continue that focus, there is an ability uh, for this government to continue. But you're right. If, God forbid, there is some kind of a serious flare-up uh, with Gaza, with Hamas, if that does happen, 
then we'll have to see exactly how Rob can hold it out. But so far, uh, you know, Bennett as prime minister has done some pretty smart things in terms of reaching out to the Arab population around Israel as well. He just reached a new deal with Jordan, uh, providing Jordan with significant amounts of water, which they're paying for, uh, something which Netanyahu was not moving forward with. Remember, if you go backwards for a moment, Netanyahu did not visit the United Arab Emirates because Jordan would not allow his plane uh, to fly in Jordan, Jordanian airspace. And now all of a sudden you see Bennett continuing with the ability to work out things with the Arab uh, countries around us. That could help a lot in terms of keeping any issues uh, with Hamas, with Gaza, to uh, you know, a level where Rob would be able to deal with it. So there's a lot of diplomatic efforts that are going on here. There's a foreign minister who's involved in those efforts as well, Yair Lapid, and we'll have to see how they manage it. But so far, I can tell you, uh, it's surprising even members of Likud, and there's even grumbling in Likud about the path that Netanyahu has taken them on, and we'll have to see exactly how that plays out as well, as the government is now passing a law that will allow four members of Likud, if they choose, to peel off and join the coalition, and that could certainly give a, a strong boost to the coalition if that takes place. Now, why did Jordan not allow the plane with Bibi Netanyahu to fly over its airspace? Uh, as far as I understand it, he was not negotiating with them uh, over the uh, water issue that related to some issues related to Temple Mount. Uh, but either way, uh, Bennett was able to get that deal done and, and certainly is trying to smooth out uh, the relationship with our Jordanian neighbors. Now, a few moments ago, you said that Haredi parties are welcome to join the government. But didn't Victor Liebman say clearly, and he's so anti-Haredi, that they're not welcome in the government coalition? And he certainly has some veto power. There's no doubt that during the election campaign, uh, Avigdor Lieberman said things that were very, very disturbing, not just for the Haredi community, but for anyone in Israeli society to hear any population talked about the way he did. Uh, I don't know uh, where he actually is ideologically. He's a person who has in the past been very close to the Haredi party, certainly very close to Ari Deri, and even worked together with him on municipal issues in various cities, including Yerushalayim. But there's no doubt that he is uh, going to, if it comes to it, he will allow the Haredi parties to join. They even will already he? have ideas. Oh, yeah? He will allow them to join? Because I, I believe so. I understand, uh, and also, I understand where you're coming from. He has religious family. Either his wife or kids are religious. So I don't know why he's so anti-Orthodox. Yeah, sadly, uh, one of the things that we find in politics, and that's why, you know, when you ask me about do I wish I was there, I, I, do, I do not mind uh, not being part of this, is things that people say during campaigns and during elections and promises and, and harsh statements one to the other that are done very much for politics. You know, in the Knesset, one of the things that I learned is you could have two members of Knesset at each other's throats in the Malaya, in the plenary, and there's a room which they don't show the public right behind the main chambers where they serve coffee, tea, and other kinds of food, and they have comfortable chairs and people sit together. You can literally have two members of Knesset at each other's throats in chambers, and then behind the scenes, they're literally best of friends. And I say best of friends, I mean that. One of Yair Lapid's closest friends in the Knesset was a member of Knesset Itzikon from the Shas party. And people don't see that, and so much of it is show, and so much of it is politics, and unfortunately, that caused, causes a lot of friction and polarization in Israeli society. But when push comes to shove, if Avigdor Lieberman is presented, with an opportunity for a Haredi party to join the government and for this government not to be dependent on the votes of Ram, I guarantee you he will absolutely uh, want them to join. And they even have, like I said before, portfolios, which is sort of holding out and, and saying you can have these portfolios, including the housing ministry, if the Haredi, any of the Haredi parties want to join the government. Before we break, um, you work with Yair Lapid. 
Now, the perception, he, at least the way the media portrays it, that the religious parties look at him as being anti-religious. You worked with him. Is it fair to characterize him as being anti-religious? It isn't. Uh, it isn't. I mean, I'm sitting in the room right now where he joined my family for a Purim suit up. Uh, I've spent time at his home. Uh, again, you can disagree with his policies. You can disagree with him vehemently, ideologically. Uh, but he is absolutely not anti-religious in terms of uh, who he is and where he's coming from. I even had theological discussions with him. And uh, a lot of times things are painted in a certain way. Sometimes even people unfairly uh, projecting on him things that maybe his father would have said. And I don't judge his father either as a Holocaust survivor. But they're definitely in different places ideologically. And again, behind the scenes in the Knesset, you will see... Haredi members of Knesset who speak very harshly against him publicly, absolutely sitting with him and trying to work on things with him. And there's always uh, this disconnect between the public uh, perception, largely based on media, and what actually uh, does exist. So let me ask you this. When you have a politician attack him vehemently in the public eye in the Knesset, doesn't he take offense? It doesn't affect the relationship in the coffee room or wherever they're sitting afterwards out of the sight of the media? It does to a certain degree, but, but I literally can use that example of one exchange that took place between Yair Lapid and uh, Haredi members of the Knesset. And, and it must have been a half hour later uh, they, they were talking together and even some laughter that was going on. And Yair Lapid was helping them at the time. He was the finance minister about money that was going actually to some religious sites in Israel. And there's a lot of politicking. There's a lot of show, showmanship for the, for the cameras. And it's a very big change, a difference behind the scenes. And so there's no saying, doubt you're saying that, that I saw that. You're saying the Knesset is like a theater. You're putting, they're putting on a show. Uh, to a large degree. Listen, I was standing uh, five feet away from Yaakov Litzman when he stood up in the Knesset chambers and pointed to Netanyahu and said, we will never, ever go with you again. And uh, we know what we know what happened with that. So uh, there is a lot of politicking, a lot for the cameras, and and again, there's also an understanding that you do have to be able to work together on various issues. Uh, right now, you know, with with Yishatid in the positions of power that they have, the Haredi parties understand that they have to work together with them, even if they're not in the government. So even when you have coalition and opposition, the opposition members still recognize that they have to work together with the coalition members to advance various things in their communities, and they find the ways to do that, even if it's behind the scenes. Former member of Knesset, Dove Lippin, is our guest, and he certainly has his finger on the pulse of what's happening in Israel. We'll talk about what he's doing to help people get to Israel, out of Israel, into Israel. We'll talk about that as well. And when we come back after these messages, we'll try to take some of your phone calls. We're going to be right back with former member of Knesset, Dove Lippin, right after these messages. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk Line Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. You're listening to Talk Line with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. Our guest for a little while longer is former member of Knesset, Dove Lipman. He served in Knesset for three years. And now 
you're doing something else, right? You have a new organization that you're involved with. Tell us about it. Absolutely. Before I get to that, Zev, can I just uh, tell everyone sure. that the seum at next week's game is going to be made by none other than Shlomo Lipman, my son, who's a pitcher on the Israel baseball team. Uh, he'll be making a seum so that people can enjoy some of the kosher food at the ballpark. And it's a oh. seum that's a real seum. He's finishing in the sechta, and he's going to be there with, together with the Israel team. So if you want to go watch Israel baseball, you want to see my son, uh, who's part of the team, and he'll be making the seum at 4 o'clock. Uh, what an amazing event for people to show uh, pride for Israel and support for Israel and also have a nice time uh, along with it. So I just had to get that in there after I heard the advertisement. No, no. Are you going to be there too? No, I'm not. I'm not. Because after him, he's flying uh, this week, and he'll be joining the team uh, for that training and for those games, and uh, certainly a very exciting time. Terrific. You know, it's a, a great event, and they're a wonderful organization. So I'm glad your son's going to be doing this. See him. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay, small world, small world. So, Absolutely. Now you're yes. helping so, people get into Israel, out of Israel, COVID, other issues, because Israel is not so easy to go into the country these days. Correct. So it's been a year and a half now uh, that I've been involved in this issue. And, you know, for the last year and a half, it's really been uh, completely voluntary in nature. And thank God, uh, myself, together with others, and there's other organizations and, and, and people in politics who have been involved in this effort. Uh, but now it's reached a point where together with the need for the corona travel and just other needs that Olim to Israel have and their families. Uh, so I've established an organization called Yad Le'olim. Uh, you can go to yadleolim.org and, and learn all about it. And let's say just for corona travel as an example, uh, you fill out a form that's right there on the homepage and give your information. And we have two wonderful women, uh, Maureen Ash and Ariella Bernstein, who are uh, literally working day and night helping people and guiding them. And I certainly uh, get cases that come to me as well. And all three of us together helping people get their packets together, guiding them about where to apply. When it gets a few days before the flight and they haven't heard back, we have the connections in most cases to be able to get people uh, towards their flights. Once they get to Israel, people who are stuck in quarantine are connections with the health ministry to get them out of their quarantine with their serological test results. Basically, anything that you need from A to Z, from the beginning of the process to the end of traveling to Israel, uh, you can definitely reach out to us and uh, get our guidance and our assistance. There's a uh, Facebook group called Reunite Olim with Their Families, which has a lot of information there, and we try to answer questions there as well. But then it's for anything else related to uh, coming to Israel, like being in Israel, education needs, health needs, tax needs, legal issues, employment. Uh, Yad Olim is available to help everyone uh, with, with whatever they need in terms of their arriving in Israel and succeeding in their aliyah. Uh, well, let's give it at the end. So if people want to get more information about the organization, how can they do so? Absolutely. They go to yadlaolim.org, Y-A-D-L-O-L-I-M.org. Uh, uh, there's also an option there for donations, and there's a 5163 uh, tax deductible in the United States. We can use all the support. So even if you're not making Aliyah, but you want to help those who have made Aliyah to really succeed and thrive in Israel, uh, you can absolutely help us that way. But if you go to yadlaolim.org, you'll see all the information about uh, the services that we offer. And like I said, anyone who wants to reach out will be there to help you. That's uh, three rights. He's a... He's a neighbor of your of your parents of your in laws in New Jersey. Okay, it's a small Jewish world. So, do you think Bibi Netanyahu is going to come back? What's he up to these days? Is he going? To, does this complicate his life? Because he was trying to make sure he'd be prime minister, so it would help him in his corruption inquiry. What's happening with him? I, I from what I'm reading, he's looking to try to get this government to dissolve. He has said that he's going to be a strong leader of the opposition. It's very startling for those who watch the Knesset to see him sitting not in the seat of the 
prime minister, but to be sitting in the seat of the head of the opposition, to see him enter the Knesset, not surrounded by the usual entourage that accompanies the prime minister, but to have just a few guards that help the head of the opposition, to see him in the head of the opposition office instead of the prime minister's office. It's very startling for people. I actually believe it's a very good development for Israel overall, putting aside where you are politically, right-wing, left-wing, center, just that people can understand that someone else is also capable, with God's help, of leading the country. I think it's a very important. My children have never seen any other prime minister, essentially, and now they're seeing someone else in that role. That's a positive thing. But Netanyahu has said that he's going to be a strong head of the opposition, and his goal is to topple this government. Uh, many people are saying, we'll see if this government does succeed in passing the two-year budget, if they get through that process, at that point, it's really possible Netanyahu will choose another path and not continue uh, to be in this role. But we'll have to see exactly how that plays out. Now, is it true they said that had he resigned from office before the new government took place, before the whole deal was made, that there could have been a right-wing government, that we could... Members that defected, you know, whether it's Gideon Saar or others, would have come back to Likud and could have had a right-wing government. Is that correct? It is absolutely correct that an offer was on the table for Netanyahu to move aside as prime minister. They were even offering an open vote for president and that they would make him president of Israel for the next seven years, which, by the way, would have also put his trial completely on hold. And by that point, I don't know if anybody would have even gone back to it. That offer was on the table and not for Bennett or Saar to become prime minister. But for him to name someone else in Likud who would be prime minister, at that point there would have been a solid right-wing religious government. Uh, that offer was absolutely on the table, and Bennett and Saar absolutely were willing to move forward to do that. And sadly, uh, that offer wasn't accepted by him, and now we're in the situation that we're in, where it's a lot more complicated, not just for the country, but even for him. What was his logic? Because he, didn't he see the handwriting on the wall? Did he think he was able to pull this off? Many, many, I mean, I've asked people who are close to him. There are two different theories that I've heard, three theories, I should say. Uh, one is he did not believe that this new government uh, could possibly come together. And that leads to part two, which is that he really does feel that he's the only one who can protect Israel, provide Israel to security. So he's willing to go that route, hoping that he would even stay on as interim prime minister uh, as we go to a fifth election. Uh, the other theory is, you know, he firmly believes that he is innocent of the charges and he does not want history go, to go down with any question mark about that. And therefore, he wants nothing to do with avoiding the trial. He wants to go through with the trial, which, by the way, many are saying now could take up to five more years. And he wants to be fighting and to show in the end that he is innocent. And that could be uh, what's driving him as well. But if you've been president of Israel, he would seven years would have been put on hold. That's an attractive offer. So it, it certainly is. But again, that would be saying that I'm avoiding going to court instead of dealing with it head on. Now, OK, Israel politics is certainly you can write a whole book about it. It's certainly very, very interesting. Now, did Naftali Bennett hurt his base? He's prime minister. Maybe you'll last. Maybe you won't last. But did he hurt his base? Because his base is right wing and they wanted him to stay as a right wing governor. Now he's part of this multi fusion government, I'm going to call it that, uh, does it hurt his base if he ever has to run again, um, where he's no longer considered the darling of his right-wing party? Yeah, there's no doubt that um, he lost a tremendous amount of support. And you go travel around Israel, you hear many people who voted for him who say that they will never vote for him again. And he's aware of that, and he's going to have to figure out 
when the next election comes, exactly in what constellation is he going to run and what support base is he going to look for. Remember, he's a prime minister now with six members of Knesset supporting him in the Knesset. That's unheard of. It's unprecedented. It's not a simple situation. Uh, you know, are there going to be people from the center who will now support him? Uh, will he do a phenomenal job as prime minister? And maybe that will be enough to garner more support. We're, we're going to have to see. And we have to remember that both Gidon Saar and Naftali Bennett outflank Netanyahu from the right ideologically. There's no doubt about it in terms of where they are on the various issues. So we'll have to see how they govern uh, the issues that are at hand today. They made sure that in this government, you know, the ones who are certainly more entrenched in the left, in the Merit Party, for example, so they have the environmental portfolio, they have the health portfolio, they kept them out of areas where they could hurt any of their right-wing ideology, and they certainly have, you know, this Gidon Saar in, the, in the, the Justice Ministry and wants to make certain reforms there. So we'll have to see exactly how they manage this delicate balancing act of this government. And then in the end, it could be that there will even be right-wing uh, uh, voters who will support him again. But time will tell exactly how that plays out. Avram Baruch Rice, can Rabbi Lipman explain why only the Ram Party is protesting any advancement of the LGBT movement and not the Haredi ones? So the Haredi parties have uh, generally on these issues just stayed quiet. They don't want to enter into anything uh, related to that. Certainly, uh, you know, when it comes to votes and the like, they'll vote against things which go against their ideology, but they don't like being outspoken about anything that enters that area of life. Um, having said that, uh, there is that interesting dynamic that in this government, the conservative side on the religious issues uh, is the Islamic party. But uh, again, on all of that, this government is going to have to try to walk a very, very, very delicate line and try to navigate how to manage to keep all the various parts together because merits and Ram, on the one hand, you know, there might be certain similarities when it comes to Palestinian issues, uh, but certainly when it comes to religious issues, they're very far apart from one another. Now, before I let you go, there was a meeting from what I read between Hamas and Hezbollah with Sheikh Nasrallah. Does that mean that there's something in the offing which can change the balance of power if Hezbollah and Hamas do work together to attack Israel? There's obviously always a concern in Israel about that possibility, and certainly one of the reasons why we're keeping our eye on the Iran deal in the United States uh, relates to what will this mean in terms of Iran and funding Hezbollah and how it impacts Israel. The only thing I can say is uh, this government, just like any other government, no matter who is in charge of Israel, uh, Israel's security is first and foremost on their minds. And with God's help, miraculously, Israel has shown its ability to deal with any challenge that comes its way security-wise. And if Hamas and Hezbollah decide to come together and, and work together, obviously it'll be a challenge for Israel. But uh, together with the IDF, with the leadership, with God's help, with our prayers, with all that's happening in Israel spiritually, uh, I think that uh, we'll, we'll be okay. And uh, we certainly have to move forward building our country uh, with that confidence, uh, which, again, God has already shown he's there for us all the way through. And I have no doubt that will continue. You. Former MK Dove Lipman, thank you for being with us. People want to get more information about Yad Olim, your organization, to help people go into Israel. I assume also people want to go back and forth because Corona has made travel very difficult. I think now they're talking about August 1st or maybe later of having more people, more tourists coming to Israel so you can help them. How can people learn more? So yes, yadlolim.org is absolutely on Facebook and Twitter as well. 
Uh, but the website is really the key place to get all the information and all the way updates. I'm updating all the time on my own Facebook, on Yad Lulim, on that group, We Are Night Olim with their families. Uh, by the way, August 1st should not be a date that people should count on for anything opening up significantly. Just keep monitoring. I'll be sending out the information. And go to yadlulim.org if we can help you with anything related to corona travel or anything related to uh, the Aliyah experience. And, and Bezrat Hashem will be there to help Olim uh, really succeed and do great things in Israel. Thank you so much for being with us. Look forward to having you back. Thank you. Looking forward. And, and go Team Israel next Sunday. Go there and cheer for them and enjoy your hot dogs after my son's seat. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talkline Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, talklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641-741-0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the talklinenetwork.com.